Good morning, everybody. Today, Bezat Hashem, will learn Daf Lamed Zayin in Maseches Beitzah, but we are learning 30% less because it's Rosh Chodesh, and a big Mazel Tov to Barry. He was at the Chasana of his grandchild, and then he had a beautiful Shabbat, so I heard you spoke beautifully, Barry, and... Now you're having a Shabbos with a bris and a Shabbos all together. May we all be Zoha to learn a lot of Torah together and to share many, many smachot together in good health. Amen. All right. But like one of my granddaughter's diapers, we're starting all the way up the back of Lamed Vavam Bez, seven lines down from the, from the top, two dots. We have a lot of work to do here. So let's see. See where it says, Venosim Kli Tachas Adelf Let's see if we can move today. Can you place a kli under the vessel? So we talked about yesterday, right? The, the idea of mevatel kli and how would that apply to here? So the Brisa added tana even ismala kli shofech v'shone. If it, not only can you put the kli under the right the drip, but you can keep right pouring out the water and put the kli back under in order to accommodate right catching the drip all day long. Ve'eno nimna. You don't have to. You don't have to be shy. Uh, and avoid repeating that procedure all day if that's what you need to do. That's quite surprising. So this is like already beyond, right, Mavat al-Kli. This is already like you yourself are getting busy with it. I would say 100% that the Havamina, like Barry's pointing out, would be that it was because of Tircha. Uh, first of all, because I can't think of what else it would be. And secondly, because that's the context of what we're talking about. So that, that's what I would have imagined, that it's because of Tircha that it had that Havamina. Right. Well, all of these cases, as Barry points out, there's no Malacha involved here. All of these cases really, well, not all of these cases. We're going to talk about, right, the, the, the mission that's coming up here is going to talk about some, some uh, things that you do that are fully, totally optional, some things that you do that have a little aspect of mitzvah to it, and some things that are a full mitzvah and the Darabonans, right, the Shvus of where we don't do it for a variety of reasons, sometimes not really because of the Malacha. Sometimes it's because it looks like Mekachumemkar, right? Or because it's a Tirchayasera, right? So, yes, this is really the topic du jour, right? This is what we've been talking about, where the issue is Tirchayasera. That's how we really got into this with bringing in the produce from the skylight, is really not a Malacha either, right? It's not Amer in, in, in a sense. It's not, it's just how much. It's it's very it's very cool. You know, people say when when somebody is uh, when you're explaining, let's say to a Balchuva, right, um, what malacha is, so they assume it's work. So this is really what they always assume it is, this kind of tircha. Then we explain to them there's something called Lamates Malachas, right, and we've already conditioned that, we've learned Masachas Bracha um Shabbos Hashem. But the point is that this is really the topic. The topic is things that I mean, even Mavatel Kli, uh right uh, it, 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 these are things that are not malachas um, raisa, but things that we're trying to avoid uh, nonetheless. And so that's why there's so many cases. So we start with this case over here. It's a fascinating idea. It's a Gerard and Westminster moment. So this is regarding dripping water. There was an incident. Abaye, he had a Bay which is the room where you have the mill. The mill's made out of stone. It can erode if there's too much water on it. Just like where Akiva noticed the, the water slowly eroding his, the stone and he was so impressed. Here, it was going to destroy his business. This was not a good idea. So Asalaka made the Rabbah. So interesting, Abai went to his Rebbe Rabbah and asked him, what should I do? I have the water dripping. So we already learned that you can, uh, right, that you can 
um, accommodate that. So Amalai, Rabbi said to him, Zil go bring your bed to the mill room. So now it's like this, because if it was in a storage mill room and it wasn't bothering you at all, so then really you can't justify, right? Because everything here is a balance of priority. So you can't justify um, doing it in order to save your machinery. But you can justify doing it if you bring your bed in there. Now it's in your bedroom. It'll have a grave because the drip, slow drip water usually starts to stink, right? And it becomes this. This is where we're seeing the the uh, phrase graf shel right? again uh, is usually means the excrement. We talk about it again with a uh, with a dirty diaper. Let's say of a baby, right? The the concept on the halach of graf So graf you're allowed to take out. Right, because that is again when you're balancing it, there is an issue of um, right covered abrios, and we allow in Masechet Shabbos we point out that it, you're allowed to take re- repulsive or foul-smelling muksa items outside of, of your house um, in that way. That is not what the takan of, of muksa we uh, we relaxed it right for the purpose of grafshalri, and therefore this is what you're going to do if it's your storage house. So then you don't have this kula of graf that to take out foul-smelling things. But the chap here, the shtick, is you're converting your storage house into your bedroom. Now you do have the graf dispensation and therefore turn the storage house into a bedroom on Shabbos. And by so doing, you'll be able to, to take out, um, and you'll be able to take out the water and the water will therefore not erode and ruin your millstone. And this sounds like a huge cooler. It was such a huge cooler that Abaye did not feel comfortable doing it. Felt like too much of a subterfuge, like a harama, like a shtick. So Yosef Abaye Bikakashale. Abaye had difficulty with this. He was sitting and he couldn't get himself to do it. He asked himself, I understand if you're in your dining room, you're in your bedroom and something's foul smelling. So if you're in that case, then you get out. But to create a situation of Grafshel Ray on purpose in order to save my machinery, that sounds like it shouldn't be allowed. So, while he was contemplating this, during the time that it took him to, right, to, to stall, the mill collapsed and he lost his business from that. So Amar, so Abayi said to himself, Tesili de Avared Admar. This is coming to me, Tesili, right? This was Hashem punishing me, so to speak, for not listening to my master's Mar uh, suggestion, which is to say, it's a Goranowitz Muslim moment. It didn't make sense to Abaye, and therefore, even when you're going the Chumrah and you're taking a strictness upon yourself, you, you can, uh, you could, uh, get punished, so to speak, suffer the consequence of not listening to the Rav. So you asked Rabbi Rose a Shiloh. Rabbi Rose gave you that teretz, uh, you know, one day, two days in, in, in Eretz Yisrael if you're a Ben Chutz Laaretz. So you, 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 tell, you tell him, uh, you know, that he t- you get the psak that you p- keep one day, but you don't feel right, you know, because it feels like yuntiv and you keep two days. Okay, so you'll miss all the Yishai Rebo concert. Anyway, whatever it is. The point is you should listen to the Rebbeim and that was Abaye's uh, reaction. But it is a novel, right, it was a novel chiddush that you could create a situation of graf shari, uh, presumably for hefsed mamon, which is already a consideration that we mentioned yesterday, right? So a great hefsed mamon, you could create it. Obviously, all these things wouldn't work, uh, to your point, Barry, um, for del rices, right? In other words, Chazal made takanas, and Chazal have the, right, the wisdom to know when the takana would and would not apply 
um, accordingly with these uh, other considerations in place. Okay. So now we're going now we're gonna put the afterburners on. You're warmed up, Barry? Here we go. Amr Shmuel. Graf Shalrei, still on top of Graf Shalrei. Or if you have like a bedpan, you can move, remove it, take it out to the trash on Shabbos. And, right, so this was different culture, as Bernbeb points out. Uh, when you return it, you could use it, you should put water into it, and you could bring it back in the house. Why are you putting water into your house? Into your house? Uh, because it's repulsive to people when it's just emptied out. So again, the, the, the leniency is, is to remove it out of the house, but it also it could be, um, but, but when you return it, you can't just return it empty. You have to put some water into it in order to make it uh, usable. Now, the truth of the matter is, uh, now most people wouldn't drink out of it, but animals could drink out of it, and therefore that's what makes it usable. So, um, so from that, the original um, understanding of Shemuel, it was understood that Graf Shalrei Agav Mona in Right, based on that ruling, you say, well, Graf Shalrei can remove only because of the actual uh, kli. In other words, you need to have a receptacle for it, but you can't just uh, handle it, let's say, with your hands, as Rashi points out. You can't handle it directly, I would say. However, that's not necessarily true because Tashma dahu achbarta de ishtakach be as ispar miki Ravashi. Achbarta is an achbar, right, a mouse. And it was found in the isparmiki, the spices of Ravashi. And Armada Ravashi knocked a bit tzutzisa ve'apkua. And Ravashi said, grab it by its tail and just throw it out. So we see you don't need to put it in a clay, you can just grab it by its tail and throw it out. Sounds like a different culture. But I remember when Rabbi Goldvich Shlita first arrived in YU. And uh, he was living in Washington Heights where there were more rats than he was used to from KBY. And my friend Mosh Gordon, uh, who's the Rosh Hashiva now, Rishalev, told me he was learning with him and there was rats in the, in the apartment initially and he would just grab them by the tail and throw them out the window. <laughs> Israelis are more rugged than us, Barry. Okay. Kol shechayavon alav mishim shavos. Says the Mishnah. Okay. So again, this is interesting. Anything that, you're, that you have to abstain from because there's a shavos, mishum rishus, mishum mitzvah b'shabos, or even if it's a rishus, or even if it's an outright mitzvah, chayav and alav So whatever would be true for Shabbos would be true for a yontiv as well. And we're going to see examples. Ve'elein mishum shavus. Mishum shavus means you're doing something that's purely optional. So for example, la'olin be'ila. Nobody told you you have to climb the tree. You shouldn't ride upon the animal. The Gemara is going to discuss. Uh, we're familiar with these already because we learned Masechah Shabbos. We know some of these, um, right? We know what some of these isurim are about and why they were, there was a takana, but the point that this Mishnah is bringing out is that you, this is a, right, a what, a totally voluntary activity. Lo shatun swimming around. Velo metapchen, velo mesapchen, velo meraktin. Shouldn't clap hands uh, or dance, right? Um, so that's interesting. Tosos on daflamed takes all the teeth out of this Mishnah and says that that's only in the, in the days where where uh, there's Lamed Amid Aleph in the middle, the Tosfos over there says that's only in the days where people knew how to be Metak and Klishir, where everybody really had an instrument. It's Tosfos Tanan, the third from the bottom. Pesh Rashi, Shemei Takin Klishir, Umila Didon Shari says Tosfos, the Dafka be a mem, Shayu Bikin Lassus Klishir, Shayach Lemigzer. Avala Didon, Ainanu Bikin Lassus Klishir, Velo Shayach Lemigzer. So, uh, that Takana, just for purposes of, I guess, knowing, uh, a little bit more, um, this is so, this is so basic to Pshat that it bears, uh, mentioning, right, that this would not be also Bismanazet, 
which is why maybe we would dance today, or at least do the yeshiva shuffle in and out, in and out. It's a little bit of a controversy, but be that as it may, it's a, it's a totally voluntary activity, and the metakin cliche may not apply today. Anyways, as Tosfus points out, be that as it may, those are the cases that you don't have to climb a tree, you don't have to swim, you don't have to dance, but um, in addition to that, there is a <clears throat> there is a dispensation. The structure of the mission is a little weird, right? Because it's saying, if it's chayv mishum shvus, right? <laughs> Uh, in other words, these things are, are not usher because they're voluntary. We'll see, because that's the opposite of the point of the Mishnah. The point of the Mishnah is that they're usher, they're banan, regardless of whether they're voluntary, semi-voluntary, or full mitzvah. But, so the, the language is a little strange. But the point is that there's three categories, but all of them are equally usher, midir abanan. Okay, and it's just we're, we're ramping up the... Uh, the imperative, but we're not. We're still keeping it aser midirabanan. So as follows: veilin mishumershus. So the next category is it's kind of not mandatory, but you do get a mitzvah for it. For example, lo danin doing din lo mikachin. Okay, kiddushin. Interesting. Lo chotzim lo miyabim in chalitz and yibum is something that again you don't necessarily have to do it now, but it it is certainly not just something that you're doing for fun. Veiluhem mishum mitzvah, and then the final category is something which is an actual mitzvah. Lo makdishin. Making something hektish, lomarichin, doing erchin, right? Assessing things for the base of mikdash, velomachkrimim, making, putting something at the cherem, velomachbim, trumer meiser. And not taking off trumer meiser, to which the Mishnah concludes with a very, uh, intense, uh, overall, overarching statement called Elubi Yomtev Amru, Vakalbachom Vishabis. All of this was said with regards to Yantiv. And so therefore, for sure, they would apply to Shabbos as well, these, right, these Darbanans, because Ein Bein Yantiv le Shabbos, Ela Ochel Nefesh Bilvad. And there it is in Mishnah form, uh, the, right, the fundamental statement that the only thing between Yantav and Shabbos is Ochel Nefesh. So now let's see the Gemara. The Gemara says, Lo Olin Be'ilan. So, so, what would be the reason you can't climb a tree? Xaver Shema Yitlash. As we're familiar, that's so that you don't, right, uh, when you climb the tree, you might see a fruit. It'll be irresistible, like the fruit of the Eitzadas that we read of in last week's Parsha, and you'll, uh, you'll pluck it. And therefore, you shouldn't climb a tree. Lo rochvim nagav behemah says said the Mishnah. The Gemara explains there shall be yitzchutz latchum. One possibility is that the, it's a gazera that you would end up riding off into the sunset outside of the tchum Shabbos. However, the Gemara says shmami natchum in daraisa. Right, the fact that it's a gazera would imply that it's a gazera on a daraisa, which would imply that they hold like we famously said at the end of Erevin and all over that Rabbi Kiva, like we hold like Rabbi Kiva that tchumim are daraisa. However, the, that is a kasha in our Gemara because the rove, right, shitas were that the tchumim are in fact darabanan, and therefore we would probably not make this gazera the gazera, and therefore we have a second reason, which is, says the Gemara, el gazera shema yachtoch zemora. Right, again, cutting off a branch of a tree to use as a whip on your animal, um, if you're, um, if you're allowed to ride the animal, and that's the point of the gazera. Fine. Two dots. Lo shatin play mine. What about swimming? So you would think, uh, right? We saw uh, some of these libun, right? And Tosfos talks about maybe it's cheretz. What would be the, the gzera here? However, the Gemara here says If you're in fact swimming on water, you might construct a swimming tube, like the Niagara Fall barrels that they use. That they take. Okay, um, I guess that was more common in those days to the point where you have to make a gzera on that. 
Furthermore, below Topkin, Lom Sapkin, Lom Raktin, what about the dancing? Zer Shemitakin Klishir. So this is where the Tosas had said in Lamed on Daf Lamed, Amad Aleph, that we don't have that Gezerah today, but in those days, that was the reason why they asserted the dancing, Midera Banan. Okay, that was the first category. What about the second category, where the activity is not really uh, purely for, right, for, for leisure? It has some, right, but it's not compulsory either. So we said, you should not make dinim for mitzvah covet. What do you mean? That's not really a rishus. You wouldn't call that um, a, a, right, a sort of um, leisure or even a voluntary thing. When there is a need for a din, you have to do a din. So why is that in this category? Says the Gemara, no, because when there's somebody who's more qualified than you to judge, right, so it's sort of I would have also added that it's not an emergency. In other words, din is certainly a mitzvah when needed, but we're talking about a scenario where it didn't have to be done now. Put it that way. Similarly, getting married. Right, you're going to get into this whole first daf and kiddushin, whether kiddushin is a mitzvah. So Rashi takes it a little out. It's the last Rashi in Lamed Vav and Beis. Right? There is a question in the Rishonim. Is kiddushin itself a mitzvah? It, Right, independent of the Puravu. Be that as it may, it is certainly a mitzvah, or at least a hechsher mitzvah of Puravu, to which the Gemara says, Lo tzricha. The reason why we're talking about saying this is the Isla Isha Vonim. He already has a wife and children. The question there would be, as we finally arrive at Lamed Zayin, where we have a hopeless 15 minutes to go, but we're going to do our best. Mind you, Lamed Ches is short. So we'll see if Andrew's angry with us at the end of the week. Uh, be that as it may, uh, the question is, did you already have once a wife and children? It sounds like, no, you currently have a wife and children. Now you're going for a second set of wife and children. And that's what makes it, um, right, uh, not uh, compulsory. But be that as it may, we're going on weiter to the lochotzim v'lamiyamin, so chalitza and yibum. So the Gemara asks, so as it asked by the dinim and by the kiddushin, we're saying chalitza and yibum, certainly yibum is a big mitzvah. What are you talking about? So we say, lo, tzricha de'ika gadol, mitzvah begadol yavim. All right, so... Uh, Yitz and I were trying to figure out what's going on here. So there's a gadol. So he's doing the yibum. You're not doing anything. What are you talking about? Right? And, and the mitzvah, begadol liyabim. And as we know, the way yibum works is if, right, somebody uh, uh, passes away, Khalila without children, so then the brother is doing yibum on, if he's not doing chalitza, right, he's going to do yibum on the surviving wife that in order to... Um, to keep his brother's name alive. And that mitzvah is incumbent, falls squarely on the oldest surviving brother. But there are multiple brothers here. So here there must be a case, I think, where the oldest brother is kind of, he's not saying that he's not going to do it, but he's also kind of dragging his feet. And, uh, and so the mitzvah would be uh, sort of like, you don't have to do it, but the mitzvah would be you see that she's suffering and she wants, she's eager, and so a younger brother jumps in to do it. Uh, more or less is where that would make sense, right? Because if the brother is gonna is doing it, so then certainly as a younger brother, you're not going to do it. And if the brother isn't doing it, so as the younger brother, it now falls on you to have the reason to, right? It falls on you to do the yibum uh, just as much as it were on the older brother in a sense. So anyway, be that as it may, the, there is an older brother and therefore that's why it is um, not compulsory, but it's the mitzvah nonetheless. V'chulo time mai. So what is the reason for all these? In other words, we explained why all these would be in the category, but we didn't explain why they would be usher on Shabbos and Yantiv. Says the Gemara, Gezer Shema Yichtov. Because anytime you have like a star, you might end up writing something down. Okay. 
so now let's go to the mitzvah. So the Gemara, so all of these things, whether you're making it hektish or you're doing erchin, you're going to be writing stuff down. And it's going to also have elements of commerce, right? Because obviously if you, if you uh, put something in cherem, that's almost like shutting out somebody in business and certainly evaluating something is like Mecca Chumemkar. Rashi uh, discusses, right, how Mecca Chumemkar might be from davar, or that Mekach Memkar brings you to the point of Mechira because you're writing Shtaros, right? But uh, be that as it may, it's a Mekach Memkar slash Gzeir Shema Yichtov issue. Okay. How about Shumas or Maisos? Velomag being Shumas or Maisos? Pshita, it's obvious. Of course you can't take off Shumas or Maisos. So the Gemara answer, Tani Rabi Yosef, Lonet Zuchal and Litna Lekoin Bobiyom. Fascinating idea that that's only to separate Truma to give to the coin on that day. In other words, right, if it's Yantiv, and you're trying, and you're giving it to him as food. I have a honey mealy period at Tvilim Atmal, and that would only apply to produce which was Tevel yesterday. So what the Gemara is going to bring out here is the difference between Peros and Chala. Chala is only good if it's baked fresh. So if you were to do it, and Chala is also called a form of Truma, right? So Chala, which you're going to take off, is going to be okay. But Peros, which you should have taken off yesterday, right? Because Peros, uh, you could have taken off yesterday, this would apply to. So that's what the Gemara is saying here. That this would apply to Peris because they're Tevel from yesterday. But if you, let's say, had produce today, mind you, Chala is only baked fresh. Fruit, you're not allowed to pick on Yantiv. So there is no scenario where you're bringing fresh fruit from today. So that's why for fruit it would apply because they're Tevel. However, Chala could go in Isola. But Chala, which you would bake today, that you'd be mafresh and bring to the Kohen. Now, so wait a second. All these right categories. Um, so we're going to say, are they just non-mandatory and they're not just the rabbanon? So we're going to say what they have a mitzvah to them. So the the ones in the second category, they have no aspect of mitzvah. The one in the mitzvah category, they have no aspect of shvus. So Lomi Bayikamar. No, the truth of the matter is, we're saying like a style, right? Of, as Rashi explains, lo zu af zu. That it's not only this, but also this. It's not only a simple shvus. This is basically what we're doing now is explaining the structure and the language of the Mishnah. That first we start with shvus, where it's purely, right? Um, where, where it's purely for, so to speak, like I'm saying for leisure, purely voluntary. Right, but even if you have sort of voluntary mitzvahs, it would also be also And even if it's mitzvahs, aser. So this is our Gemara explaining why it's obvious. Once you're saying that it's aser for one, it's even aser for, for the other. Of course, that is counterintuitive, right? Because as the mitzvah becomes more and more compulsory, I would have said that there's less and less of a reason why the Rabbanon would Asr, or at least less of a chance that they would Asr it. So they're saying, lo zu af zu. In other words, not only this, but even this, right? That's the point. In other words, you may have said, you start with the mitzvah and say, and each one is more obvious. Okay, that's not the structure of our Mishnah. The structure of our Mishnah is they're ramping it up where it's less obvious. At each one, we're saying, and guess what? Not only this, but even this would be Asr the Rabbanon, culminating with actual mitzvahs that are even time sensitive, and we're saying even those are also bedarabanan in the cases outlined here. So now we're in the two dots and last thin line on, on Lam and Zayin Amadalf, and we say, Kol Elo Biyantiv Amru. We said that the only difference between Shabbos and Yantiv is Ochal Nefesh. Well, is that really true? And now we're going to bring a lot of examples, 
where there might be things that are different on Yantiv. For example, or Iminu, Mashilin Derech Yantiv Does that sound familiar? Our very, that's how we started our, right, Perek, with, with an actual Mishnah that explained the difference between Yantiv and Shabbos, where the reason why we brought it down through the skylight was not for Ochol Nefesh, but rather in order to save the produce. So how can you say the only thing between Yantiv and Shabbos is Ochol Nefesh? Says the Gemara, Amar Yosef, and now we're going to get real insight into our Mishnah. Uh, of the parak, lo kasha, harabili yezer, harabili Wow. That the Mishnah we just learned, which um, uh, is, is Rabbi Yezer, whereas our first Mishnah of the parak is Rabbi Shua, right? In other, okay, so we're going to see. In other words, Rabbi Shua allows you to, uh, to, br- to bring the uh, produce through the skylight. But Rabbi Yezer, who says that the only difference is Ochal Nefesh, disagrees with the first Mishnah of our parak. That's fundamental. The Tanya, because we learn in Brayson on Shabbos Kufiyot Zayin, it's mentioned. Also, Vibnoshanafu Labor. This is the case of Yantiv, a shtick. You have, we already learned this, you have an animal and its own, and its offspring fall into a pit. Now, the issue here is you're not allowed to shech, you're allowed to shech on Yantiv for Ochal Nefesh. You're not allowed to shech, right, that's right, also, no. You're not allowed to shech an animal and its offspring on the same day. That we know. Okay, so what are you going to do? You have two animals down there in the pit. So let's see the shtick. In other words, if you said, I wanted to shech it, Again, raising the animal from the pit is a tircha yasera, right? You get a bunch of guys, you get the kabbalim, you get all the stuff to get it out. So if, you certainly couldn't do that all day. But for the purpose of shechting the animal that you're going to eat, we're le- going to let it, you do it. But just for the purpose of bringing the animal back into the pen, we're not going to let you do it. So you do a shtick. You say, I want to shech this animal. And therefore, we're going to bring it out. Now, mind you, you have other potential options. You could throw some food down there and hopefully the animal will survive too. So... You'd rather bring the animal up, but there are options, which is why it gets complicated. So let's see. So the, the two fall into the pit. So Rebbe Yezer is going to say, uh, say that you want a shechtet, that much you can do. You bring it up. You bring it, it's parnasa, meaning you throw the food down into the, bu- into the pit so that it doesn't die. However, Yeshua says an even bigger kula, right? This is Rabbi Yeshua who holds that you could do it for the sake of uh, mammon dispensations for, for the hafsid as our first mission of our parak. Rabbi Yeshua says, bring the first one in order to shecht it, but then you don't shecht it. You do what Rashi, dis- what the Gemara dis- uh, calls him ha'arama. The Brisa itself calls it, as we say. V'choser umarim umale asheni. Marim, you do ha'arama. You do a shtick and you say, you know what? This first one isn't really so, so zaftig. I want to take the second one out now. So now you're taking the second one out and you bring it, and they say, this is the one that I now want to shech. And then, you don't have to, just because you declared it, you don't have to shech both, you can decide at that point to shech which one, and you've successfully brought both animals out of the pit. So we see that Rabbi Eliezer is not allow- allowing you to do this shtick, even though he's allowing you to bring the first animal, the second animal he's not letting you do, whereas Rabbi Shua is more mekil. And therefore, we're lining up Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Shua accordingly with our first and second mission of our parak, to which Amr le'abayim imai, why are you comparing these cases? Maybe the reason why Beliezer was machmir is because, after all, you do have uh, recourse, right? You could give the animal food in the pit. And that's why he's low. But if it were true that both animals would expire, then maybe he would, in fact, allow you to bring both up like Rabbi Yeshua using that shtick. Or inami, maybe Rabbi Yeshua only allowed you to bring up that animal because you could uh, have what we call plausible deniability, right? You could say that maybe it was uh, for the purpose of Shechting, the Arume, Arama, this bothered Yitz because it's disingenuous. What's the Arama accomplishing? It's all it's really getting rid of is the Marasayan. 
Because you know what's in your heart. You're trying to get both animals. But it is, in fact, getting out of the Marasayin. So maybe that is enough for Rabbi Yeshua. But in case where it's obvious why you're doing it, such as in the first mission of our parak, where you're bringing the stuff through the skylight and there'd be no other reason for you to do it, right? Uh, you're not saving anything, as the, right, as the Mepharshim explained, as Rashi explained, uh, the, the, the wheat is going to survive fine, whether you bring it through the skylight or not. So there, since you don't have that Rama, maybe Rabbi Shua would answer there as well. Right, this whole thing of Ochal Nefesh Bilvad and not is not a Machlokas but rather it's a Machlokas Becham Becham as follows, Ditznan, because we learn in the Mishnah over here in our very Masechet on Yudaf Yud Beis, Beis Shamai Omrim, En Watsim Lasakatan Vosalula Vosasefer Torah, Shusha Rabbim. We're talking about taking, about, about taking the carrying on Yantiv, the child and Lulav, right, out to the Basil says it's, it's Yantiv. You're allowed to take these things into the Rishus Arabim. So, so we see that Basil is permitting it. Now, Bechamai, certainly, once he's saying Hotza and Yantiv is also, so that's not Ochel Nefesh. That's the point, right? And therefore, they would disagree with this statement that Ochel uh, Nefesh uh, Bilvad, which means that Basil, right, is going to be the one that is going to agree with, with this statement. Of our Mishnah, so the Gemara says, "No, Dilma Lohi, Adkan Loka Amri Beis Shamai Hasam Ela Hotza." That maybe why why Beis Shamai answered it there was because Hotza of Al Tiltul Lo. That when it comes to Tiltul, right, which is only a Darabanan, they would actually allow it, and therefore maybe they're not having a difference. Atu Tiltul Lava and so the Gemara asks, "Atu Tiltul Lav Torah Chatzon Who?" However, the Gemara is assuming that that's not the case. Okay, um, and that anything, the reason why we asser tiltol is because of atzah, and, and we're left with saying that, yes, perhaps our Mishnah is in fact in accordance with Beis Hillel and Keneged Beit Shammai. Okay, so now, as we know, we've already uh, become accustomed to any time we mention tiltol and atzah, we can't help ourselves, and we've got to discuss it even more, and that becomes the topic of our next Mishnah. That's Chum, Chum of Chum Yantiv here. Chum Yantiv, as we just said, applies just like Chum Shabbos. So really, a good segue is the Mishnah on the bottom of Lam Zayin Amad Aleph, a behem of a kalem karagle habaylam. Fascinating idea, right? Behem on kalem, so your possessions, right? So Barry has, right, sheep, and he has possessions. So the question is, when he establishes, right, the 2,000 Amad Chum all around, the 2,000 Amad Chum all around, when Barry establishes the 2,000 Amad Chum all around, it's not just for him, it's also for his stuff which means he can't give it to Andrew to take it out of the tchum for him because his stuff has to stay within his tchum with him. So we say, that's true. So that's what it means, wherever Barry can go, that's where his stuff can go. What if he entrusts his behema uh, with a shepherd on Yantiv? After all, the animals need to be shepherded on Yantiv as well. So he gives it to his son or to a professional shepherd. So there too, they're not allowed to take, even though the shepherd is in charge, so to speak, during this time, he's not allowed to take it past what? Past where Barry would go, okay? What about, you have a whole bunch of people in the house, and one of the brothers, it belongs to one of the brothers. So it's not like you have to go through what, and let's say everybody made a different chum, right? There's shiurim going on, as we said, right? There's different chumim being established by different people of the household. So it's the person Who's Kalim, who the Kalim belong to, there there is an issue of, of designated by the Bailas, who determines where the Tchum is. However, if it belongs to the entire household, 
right? That is restricted. What's Makom Shehochen? To the place, like a diagram where the shaded area where everyone could go, as we will see in the Gemara, right? There is, if everyone has different Chumim, so it would only be to the shared area where you could take those shared Kalim. Uh, so, for example, a shol klim chaverim erviyantiv, and what if, uh, uh, in additional case, you borrow a utensil from your friend? So again, if it was on erviyantiv, then karagle hashoel. So then, the fact that you borrowed it gives you enough bias, so to speak, that the tchum would depend on you. However, however, yantiv, if you borrowed on yantiv, karagle hamashil, it would be like the owners, right? So, another way of saying it is, it depends on who owned it on erviyantiv, like ben shmasha, so to speak. And similarly, v'chena isha shasholim chaver tatavlin mayim elch leisasa. You borrowed from your friend, uh, tavlin, right, spices, water, and, and, and salt. So there, it's shared. And as Rashi explains, Rabbi Huda is going to say, if you borrowed water, once the water goes into the dough and then goes into the challah, it no longer has substance and therefore it belongs to and can go as far as only the challah can go at that point, but not as far as the person who lend out the water can go, but the person who now baked the challah. So we're going to uh, proceed tomorrow with the Gemara, but the last line on Lamed Zayin, Amid Aleph. So we've made it basically to Lamed Zayin, Amid Beis, and Bezrat Hashem, we'll see how far we get in Lamed Ches tomorrow. Everybody have a good Chodesh.